We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. minutes a day 365 days a year this is the pack a day podcast tuesday august 1st 2023 everybody happy house payment day or rent payment whatever it is uh that means the first of the month for you i have a friend who with another friend text the lyrics to the song first of the month to his friends every first of the month since they were in high school. So that's what they do. Um, shout out to Vince Costa and Jeremy Hogan. Welcome to the show, guys. I am not Vince Costa. I am not Jeremy Hogan. Uh, I am with Jacob Westendorf and that's, I'm not with Jacob Westendorf. I am Jacob Westendorf. Uh, and I am a little shook because I don't know who is with me tonight. Uh, so person in my little meeting here. Identify yourself. I just shaved my face. Stop treating me like I'm a freak. When is the last time you were clean shaven? I sincerely don't know. Uh, uh, a couple of years ago. I just got sick of it, man. It's hot here right now. I actually just got a haircut and they trimmed up my beard and like it just had gotten so long and like it was like a point of no return where I like you go into the barber and you're like, hey, can you can you, you know, trim my beard up a little bit? I want a little bit shorter. And the last couple of times I've gone in there, it, they didn't really trim it up. It just kind of stayed long. So I was like, I'm just going to take matters in my own hands and just start, start from 
start from scratch. You know, I remember now as we were talking there, the night the Packers drafted Jordan Love, we did a podcast together and you had just a mustache. Yeah, so that was the, that's that probably was the, the last. Post. We used to do for the draft guide, we used to do like uh, mustache madness stuff. Like, hey, if we sell 100 guides by Wednesday, we'll we'll have a mustache. And we would usually. So then we'd have to shave a mustache or whatever. Um, luckily, the draft guide in itself has kind of picked up and we don't really have to do gimmicky things to sell it anymore. Um, I mean, we still do. Like, don't get me wrong. But uh, we don't have to take such drastic measures. The thing has uh, luckily developed a little bit of a following. So we don't have to, you know make our faces look ridiculous to sell some, to move some product, you know? Well, and I've told, we would, we talked about doing that for the draft guide in 2022. And I said, my wife would leave me if I had just a mustache. And she has reiterated that several times. Um, so I will not be able to do that. I will not do that. Uh, and if I do, my, then, then you know what I'm aiming for. My mother-in-law thinks I look very handsome without a beard, by the way. And, my grand, what do you call grandmother-in-law? Is that right? Sure. Also, well, uh, uh, grand, what's uh, what? She passed away like a year and a half ago, but so I, I never got to, I never really knew her that well, um, because Sarah and I had started dating, and I, you know, I had met her probably the last year of her life, and she was a very sweet lady. Uh, but I remember one time, I think it was during that, and it was around Easter, because it would have been, would have been in April, kind of that time. And I came with clean shaven face and she just was at the point where, you know, where people get where there's like, I don't care anymore at all. I'm going to say what I want to say whenever I want to say it. And uh, across the dinner table, she just goes, Jake, you look so much better. You don't look like a hobo. I was like, oh, wow. Thank you. So, so, so in your face, maybe, you know, maybe I'm just trying to clean things up around here. Try not to look like a hobo. I guess I look like a hobo then, and it'll have to be that way for the foreseeable future at least. But enough about beards, enough about stuff like that. We're actually going to change up uh, the format a little bit today because I have spent the last two days, well, the last two practices, if you will, in Green Bay for training camp. So I was there Saturday and was able to watch uh, what I have called, and maybe we'll talk more about this later, the best I have ever seen Jordan Love, and that has been reiterated by pretty much everyone else who was there that day whose opinions you might care about. Um, and then I was there today for the first padded practice. Cause I was like, I really want to see them in pads. So that is where I have been the last couple of days. Um, so if so you guys let, want let me stop you though, because we're, you know, I'm, I want to ask you some questions about, cause you're kind of our boots on the ground there. Mm-hmm. And we've talked a little bit in the DMS about, and I, you know, I'm never, I'm not a very dramatic person and I never make sweeping statements on Twitter or anything like that, or I never exaggerate, nope, uh, never but, uh, but I tweeted, I, I screenshotted, took a screenshot of our DMs today when you just were like, uh, like, I don't remember what, exactly what you said, but you're like, my opinion right now is Jordan Love does, does not stink. You know, you said, it doesn't mean you think he's good. doesn't mean you think he's great, but as of right now, you do not think he stinks. And right. I took a screenshot of that and tweeted it. And I said, uh, you know, Jordan's biggest hater. It only took two practices to 
to convert you. Yeah, so I'd like to push on that for just a minute because I am not Jordan Love's biggest hater. I, I definitely but don't you think are that's... not his biggest supporter, though, either. I am not, but I listened to a radio show on the way up to Green Bay today where the radio host legitimately said Jordan Love is awful and the Packers will be lucky to win five games with him as the starter. So that would lead People to – are still saying stuff like that? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And there will be more, I promise you. Uh, Bleacher reported the Packers ranked 24th in their preseason power rankings. Most of the ones that I've seen – have been right around that 16, 17, 18 range, just because we don't know, you know, and until it happens in a game, it doesn't really matter as much. However, I have been in camp. I've been going to camp now for about 10 years, uh, just sporadically. I've never actively covered camp and I'm not, I wasn't on the field or anything like that. I was just in the stands with everything, but I've seen like BJ Coleman and Graham Harrell and uh, Deshaun Kaiser, the only one who ever really fooled me as to how good he was was Brett Hundley. Brett Hundley. And uh, Hun- yeah. yeah, Hundley was the only one. Like even Kaiser was terrible and they thought, you know, he was worth bringing in. Tim Boyle, um, sorry Andy, but I never really bought into that hype either. Jordan Love, if the Packers get the version of Jordan Love that played on Saturday for them for consistently, they will win 11 games this year. That is how good he was. Now today, put that in. So put that into terms of like how good is that? How good does Jordan Love need to be to win eleven games? Are you talking slightly above average? Yes, that is what I would say. And I would say he was really good on on Saturday. So like, I mean, not MVP Aaron Rodgers good or anything like that. But like, I'm trying to think of like a Rodgers season that was good, but not like. You know, MVP. like I mean, like Rogers' first year as a starter, where you're because that's kind uh, of the he was better. He was better than that on Saturday, oh, really? and Rogers that's, as a starter in his first still, year was good. That's still the vibe that I'm getting from Love is there, um, and and I want you to jump in on this too when I'm done here. But the vibe I'm getting is he's making wow, he's making wild plays more consistently, yep. and he's also hitting his layups more consistently, but it seems like the defense is still for the most part, getting the best of the offense right now. What's your take on that? Yeah. So today, for example, everybody saw the, the video that is not legal, um, but you know, whatever (laughs) everybody saw the video of love hitting Watson on the 60 yard bomb for a touchdown. And that was a wild play for sure. Um, I feel like that wasn't necessarily indicative of the kind of day that love had. He had some good moments. No question. His two minute drill um, wasn't very good. Uh, He threw the first pass of the two minute. He threw an interception that Quay Walker just flat dropped. And it wasn't like, Oh, Walker would have made a heck of a play. It was like Walker was reaching away from his body, but not a, not a tough interception to make or anything like that. One I expect like Devondre Campbell or other linebackers, I would expect basically not defensive linemen to catch that interception. So that wasn't very good. Uh, he threw a slant on third down that was broken up by Rasul Douglas to Romeo Dobbs. It was a nice play by Douglas, but it also could have been picked. So you don't like to see that. Obviously it got salvaged in my opinion with the fourth down fadeaway jumper kind of thing that he threw to Jaden Reed. That that, yes. That like if, filthy. if Reed had caught it, I'm kind of bummed he didn't because all that meant was in two minutes, all I got to see was four plays of the starting offense. But if Reed makes that catch, then I would have liked to have seen how that drill finishes. Uh, but that being said, you still see some of the, Oh no, like not like in a bad way necessarily, just that he threw two turnover worthy passes into two minute drill. Those are the only ones I've seen 
Um, and granted, I've only been there for, for two days. Um, you know, I, I think that I have certainly been encouraged more so than discouraged based on what I've seen. Now, that being said, I do think there are going to be games that are clunkers, like, mm-hmm. you know, games where it's just like, man, that was like Rogers's game. I remember in 2008, I think it was in Tampa. Maybe that was 2009. I don't remember. I know what you're talking about. Yeah. But he, th- but he threw three interceptions Sprang in that shoulder. game. Yeah, hurt his shoulder making the tackle. <laughs> like it, it wasn't very good. You know, Rogers had other games like that as a as a starter in his first year. Um, and even some of them into his second year to be and even the Super Bowl season, like Rogers had some blech games that year too. Like, I do think there's gonna be some growing pains. I just don't know how pronounced they're gonna be. Like, for example, I know I said before camp started that I feel like the team finishing three and fourteen was on the table because we just don't know what Jordan Love is. I don't feel like that's on the table anymore because I don't know based on what I've seen in two days. So take this for what it's worth and clip the shit out of it for when I'm wrong and the Packers have the worst record in the NFL and make fun of me. That's fine. But I don't feel like that's on the table because I don't feel like love can be bad enough for that to be the case. Um, and, and that's a good thing. Now, is he going to be good enough for them to win 12 games and play in the NFC championship game against the Eagles and have a shot to win? Probably not. But and I don't think, but I don't think that's most people's expectations. No, right? no. Like if they, uh, you know, Matt Schneidman has said it from the athletic and he's like, if they make the playoffs, that's a win, you know, and maybe care. depending on, I was talking about it on the way up on Saturday, if they not just make the playoffs, but like if they win a playoff game, depending on the matchup, they could certainly do that. So if they win the North and say they're matched up with like, not the five seed, because I'm assuming the five seed is going to be one of Dallas or Philadelphia. So your six or seven could be, a second team from the NFC South, a third team from the NFC East, or however it shakes. I think the Packers could certainly win that game depending on who they're matched up with. Now, again, do I think this team, even at Jordan Love's apex ceiling for 2023, do I think they can beat San Francisco or Philadelphia or Dallas, who I presume the top three teams in the NFC are? And I don't think that's a hot take by any stretch. Do I think they can beat them? No. Um, you know, it's one game. Anything can happen. Certainly. I just don't think that's, that's in the cards for this year. But I also think that I've pushed from, you know, the lowest end in my opinion now is probably like six wins. Um, maybe five, you know, give it a bounce here. I mean, it's just so hard to do, right? Cause a bounce here or there, if love misses like three games, the backup quarterback situation, that's the other thing. And this isn't what you asked me, but yeah, I remember the year they brought in like Vince young and Graham Harrell and BJ Coleman and I think that was the year eventually they ended up with Seneca Wallace and yep. Scott Tolzien is like, it is as bad as I can yeah. remember. Uh, if not, we're like uh, the last play of team today was the fourth team. Cause it was Alex Magoo who just came in from the uh, USFL and he sailed an out route, like damn near into the stands. I'm exaggerating a little bit, but it wasn't very good. Etling hasn't looked particular like Sean Clifford is a guy who like you could watch him throw and be like you kind of understand why he's there like the zip is on the ball he looks like he has an NFL arm I don't think the other two guys look like they have that and Sean Clifford is not ready to like so if you, the, think, you think it's Clifford as your clear QB2 right now he is mine as of what I've seen in two days now do the Packers feel that way I they've been using Danny Etling now I will say this Etling did have a couple nice minutes um he threw a pick six to Carrington Valentine which I know is one of your guys and after he threw the pick six, he threw a deep over route to Jaden Reed, who I know his day finished with a drop, but that is one of the players in the last two days that I am just so impressed with. Like, I think that the Packers don't typically play rookies, but like, I think 
depending on how the offense goes and everything like that, like Reed could be a step or two from finding himself in the rookie of the year conversation type of stuff. That's how impressive in my estimation he's been in a clearly have a plan for him. You know, Fleur was talking about slot options and how they might do that. And I actually have a story out now about Christian Watson being able to move around in the formation and how, you know, the Packers were able to do that when they won the Super Bowl. And I still think they are going to do stuff like that with Watson, but Reed is their best quote unquote true slot receiver. And when it's time to kind of run and gun a little bit, he's going to be the dude who's in the slot. Um, the hard part for him is going to be, he is smaller. So I just don't know. Like they've asked Alan Lazard to do a lot of stuff in the slot as far as digging guys out in the run game. So I just yeah. don't know what that's going to look like, but he, definitely impressed with that. And you said, you know, Reed, when you look at him in pads today too, like he's, He's a smaller guy for like Packers standards. And I've talked about this, you know, when we tier these guys, Jaden Reed was someone that I'm kind of kicking myself for not propping up a little bit more because he hits every tier one metric for the Packers. He's just like by the skin of his teeth on all, all, all of them. And so like, if you would draw up the player, like, Hey, tier one, here are the baselines it's Jaden Reed. That player is Jaden Reed. And I think, man, if he really is up to like 195 or whatever they said he is up to now, he's 5'11", 195. I think he can eventually probably steal some reps on the outside too because you watch his game at Michigan State, and one of the things that's in my notes about him is he plays bigger. plays bigger than he does. Yes, and LaFleur talked about that when they drafted him. He said that dog mentality, the my ball mentality. Like You can tell LaFleur really liked him. How, just, just your the eye, just the eyeball test. What did you think of him as far as just size? Does he look smaller? Or does he just kind of look like, oh, that's an NFL receiver? He looks like an NFL receiver. He definitely is like short. Um, and when you see him in the slot, when you're used to watching, you know, Alan Lazard uh, over the last few years, he's definitely smaller than that. He's definitely small compared to like Christian Watson, who, by the way, I didn't. We haven't really talked about Watson yet. I'm sure you'll ask, but he looks like a, a absolute freakazoid. Uh, and I mean that in the best way possible, but read the physical standpoint or the way he's practicing too. Yes. Like today was his, probably his best day in practice. Like people have said, they haven't seen the wild plays. One that wasn't really, um, tweeted out about was they were running like slow ish, like half speed or, you know, not full speed. It was kind of like seven on seven. Uh, and Watson ran like a crossing route or like a, a dig and love hit him. And Watson kind of runs across the field. It kind of looked like, uh, a, different route, but kind of the same idea as the touchdown against Philadelphia where he turns the corner and kind of widens out and then just erases angles. Like he ran away from Jair Alexander and I believe it was Jonathan Owens um, for, for stuff like that. But Reed. And that's dude uh, with Watson too. Like I know, you know, Bill Huber just wrote, uh, he just released his piece about camp today. I think both of us quote tweeted it. Cause I just, re- I literally just read it before we started. Yeah, he, <laughs> It's funny. He, uh, he sent me like um, quotes and stuff like that. Cause I told him I was doing the Watson stuff and he said like, don't use this. I'm like, Oh, but that's so good. Uh, so I knew about the, uh, the touchdown was a canned play. Like Jordan love is making adjustments at the line of scrimmage. He hit him on an RPO earlier in practice too. Like those are things when I've said in the past, like Jordan love is not a rookie. We can't treat him just like he's a rookie. Like there are things that have to happen to make it look like he's not a rookie. And that's certainly one of them, but Watson. Yeah. He's been to to me as well. Like I love Romeo. I love him. Right. And I think he's like your one B 
type wide receiver one if all things work out. But with Christian, I think it's already pretty evident early when things go awry, when things are unscripted, you usually go to who you think is the guy that's going to be. We did talk about this not that long ago. They're called um, get back plays and like where you get back on schedule and the Packers used to draw stuff up for Devontae all the time. Yep. Like I see a lot of, and I understand the thought of it kind of this idea that Dobbs is going to be the guy who leads the team in receptions and targets. And all. I don't think so. Like, and that's okay. And that's like, okay. I, you know, like, like he's going to do stuff. We don't have, they're both Packers. We don't have to argue about it. I hope they're both the best two receivers in the league. But when you look at love and like what he's trying to accomplish as a first year, as a starter, I think there's just a level of comfortability with Watson that he's showing right now, like the canned play, uh, you talked about the kind of the unscripted stuff two days ago, we threw a touchdown to him. Um, but the, the can play that that's really interesting. You know, you, before practice and it worked out so perfectly because before Monday's practice, Matt LaFleur said, Christian Watson is one of the smartest football players he's been around ever been. And, around. and then you get to see it on display in practice the same day, like them in that bunch formation, that, that three by one bunch. And what I love about that so much is one, I guess one, I guess it was a can play, which is cool that they, that they both recognized at the same time. And that's impressive for two young guys to be on the same page like that. But also that as soon as they were in that bunch formation, they recognized the fact that Christian was being covered by the slot in his slot corner. And there is not a slot corner in the league that can run with Christian. They're just not. And so the fact that they're both like, okay, like the ball's coming my way. Jordan knew it. Christian knew it. And then the the thing is they, they executed, you know? So like it's little things like that, that yes, we're talking about practice, but those are the things that you want to see. And the other end of the spectrum, look what's going on in Atlanta right now. Desmond Ritter is getting ridiculed. See what I did there? I'm, I'm just anyway. It's, uh, no, but any, but but he is, and you know he's getting kind of drugged through the mud right now because every clip that Atlanta's uh, posting or coming out with, he's sailing or wide right or wide left, and you know the people are going to say the same thing. Well, it's just practice. Wait till the games, and and that's not wrong. But you'd much rather have the guy that's looking good in practice, like Jordan Love is. That sure. yes, he's still going to have some of his hiccups, but you're seeing the talent. And the last thing I'll say about Jordan love before we can move on to some other guys, I know everyone, I don't think people actually are sick of hearing about Jordan love though, either. Like that's the other thing we probably could just talk about him the whole time. Not if he looks good. Like if he looks bad, they'll probably, but um, we were talking about it. They'd probably say like, we're being too negative or something. Well, he's been good. I brought this up with you and Peter the other day we were talking and I don't, it's not any secret that I I really like Jordan love pre-draft even. I mean, I've right. got a tweet out there that even says, like, Jordan Love would be a fun pick for the Packers in round one. Packers Twitter almost murdered me when I said that. And that was before they even took him. And the reason you say that is because here is a kid who is toolsy as hell. Like, he has got every single physical intangible that you would want in a quarterback. I mean, he his ceiling, if he hits his ceiling, he is a top five, top three quarterback in the National Football League. 
Like, I don't think anyone was arguing that pre-draft, the fact that he had all the prerequisites as far as intangibles and physical arm talent, everything. Um, it just was the development of him. And before the draft, there were rumors that two teams really were interested in him. One was New Orleans, one was Indianapolis. And the one that really bugs me is the New Orleans one, because pre-draft people were like, oh, man, if Jordan Love goes to New Orleans, he's going to be able to sit. And when he's ready to play, he's going to take the league by storm. He is so talented. And that was right. But then the Packers took him. And then all of a sudden, the flip, the script flips to, uh, he sucks. He's not good. He's just not good. It's like, wait a second. Everyone was just clamoring about how if this talented, raw kid can sit on the bench for a year or two, the team that drafts him may be rewarded heavily. But when the Packers did it, it was dumb. And that's part of what really gets under my skin is like how the narrative switched so quickly on him. And for Jordan, I just hope he can come out and realize that potential, you know, him hitting on all cylinders. Like I said, he is a top five quarterback in the national football league. He is a guy that can pull your team to a super bowl, him hitting on 75% of that talent. I don't know what that looks like. We might see that this year. And I think that would be a win for this year is, a, is like, hey, we're seeing a lot of what made him such an attractive prospect. Maybe it's not all put together yet because he hasn't played a ton. But let's see. Let's see the tools. Let's see the development. Let's see what he looks like by the, at, by the end of the year. And if they go win a playoff game with him and he looks good to above average and gives you some indication that he can get even better, like that's the goal, right? That's the, that's what we're hoping for. I mean, that's the realistic goal. What we're hoping for, Jacob, is he comes out those 100 touchdowns, no interceptions, and 7,000 yards, and they never lose a game again, right? That'd be great, but that's not happening. So I think that's kind of what you're looking for, and I think all indications so far in camp are that might be what we get. And if that is what we get, you all just need to unfollow me now on X <laughs> because I – have receipts i would say like a lot of them are from me i would say like 50 percent of my bookmarks are just people saying jordan like like national people like dogging on jordan love in that pick like pro football focus has got some really good ones that they probably should just delete before jordan love has a good game and i unleash those but in any case like like for example for example there is an actual clip of Sam Munson, Munson, and uh, Steve uh, P with the long, with the hard last name to say, talking about what was the better pick in that draft, Jordan Love or Cole McDonald in the seventh round? Oh, like legitimately talking about how Cole McDonald was a better pick because they're both raw quarterbacks, but one was a first round pick, one was a seventh round pick. Like I think you can already say that that's stupid and that's ridiculous. But good Lord, that's going to be fun to unleash that one. Uh, but anyways, all right, let's move on. We've talked about we've talked about yeah, before Lord. you move into the one thing you you asked about Jaden Reed before you went on that tangent. The other thing that I want to point out about him, and I did tweet this, is he looks just more comfortable. Um, yeah. And I used Amari Rogers when it came to returning punts, but just like using Amari as like the example, he looks way more comfortable than Amari Rogers ever did. Uh, Amari Rogers recently waved by the. Houston Texans uh, might be on his way out of the NFL. So yikes in terms of that particular draft pick, but 
Jane Reed, that's one thing I would say is he just looks comfortable. He makes plays with Jordan Love. He makes plays with Danny Etling. He can return punts. Uh, he had a play today that, granted, it's half speed and it's special teams, so it's hard to tell, but I feel like he would have housed it if it would have happened. Uh, I'm just – I'm really excited for him. And he was a guy who, when they picked him, you know, that was one of those – I didn't, like, jump up out of my chair and scream and go, hell yeah, or anything like that. But I fist pumped. Like, I was, like, happy that they picked Jaden yeah. Reed. And so far – no games and one practice in pads. He's he's shown very well. I think we had a we had like a fourth round grade on J, on Jaden Reed, which you might be like, oh, then you must have hated that pick. And it's like, no, not really. Like, I liked him. Like as a fourth round, like he was a receiver that you're like, oh, this I like this kid a lot. I just I thought, and granted, once you dive into him a little bit and you go back and look at his uh, junior year where he had over a thousand yards receiving, it makes a little bit more sense. But watching him his senior year is a little bit discombobulated, you know, and, and and you look at the kid and you're like, ah, he's good. Like, I like him. I like him. he's like he's a good slot option. One of the better ones in this year's draft class. But um, where do you where do you where do you put a guy like that? Where do you draft a guy like that? Um, it's tough, especially with those smaller kind of slot only type guys. It's hard to kind of place them. Um, like, for example, I had a higher grade on on Don Travion Wicks, who the Packers also drafted who I'm still very high on. I hope he can get healthy and get back um, just because I know he's there. There's a little bit of buzz about him within the organization as well uh, that they're kind of <clears throat> excited of that. They he's got big. The like he is big. He big looks dude. the part. Yeah. He does. And, and he's big and he's, and I didn't know. And I know it's the first thing that pops out when you watch him is like, this kid is a very natural, just mover. Um, so yeah, I'm excited to see, I, I hope he gets back quickly. I know it's gotta be good news that he's at practice with the, with, with the concussion. Um, I don't know what the protocols are and I don't understand all that stuff and I won't pretend to, but it seems like it's gotta be a good sign that they're letting him out there coming out there and watch. So hopefully he's closer uh, to be back on the field than not. Um, but I want to do a little bit of a just word association with you because we're already 30 minutes into this thing, which is amazing. Um, I'm just going to say a, a player's name, and I want you to tell me the first word that comes to mind, and then if you have anything uh, from from camp that you want to share, okay? Sure. Keyshawn Nixon. I am. That is my pick for breakout player for the year. I feel like he's always around the ball, recovered a couple fumbles. Um, he definitely brings like some an edge to the defense, a swagger to the defense. That like Jair brings that from a trash talking and like a finesse standpoint a little bit. But Keyshawn's a little more physical than him, and he has to be. He's the run defender. Uh, and when it comes to, re- I don't think he's going to return punts. I think that's going to end up being Jaden Reed. I think Nixon will get opportunities too but I think they're going to let Jaden Reed win that job just to. And the other thing that I wanted to point out, and I was the, I feel like I was the first one to point this out, but on Saturday, Keyshawn was doing uh, drills with the receivers. So they had, they didn't run any plays. They didn't have any stuff in with Nixon, but with kickoffs being kind of a fool's errand and punts being something they may not take him on. I think they're going to try and find ways to get the ball in his hands and just kind of let him go. Now, Maybe those things will be, you know, just some jet sweeps or maybe he'll be a decoy. Who knows? But like, I feel like I like at least the fact that the Packers are willing to try things that are a little more unconventional and they should, you know, when Aaron Rodgers is your quarterback and you have the four time league MVP back there, he's the only one who I want the ball in the hands of when it comes to 
like throwing passes and stuff like that. So special plays, trick plays, stuff like that, just don't serve much of a purpose for me. But now with a little bit more of an unknown with the quarterback situation, like, yeah, I think you need to have stuff like that and be willing to do some stuff like that. So I'd like to see, I'm, I'm excited to see how they use him both on, on in all three phases, quite frankly, to use a, a euphemism that Matt LaFleur likes to say very often. And with, with him and, and getting snaps on offense, you know, it's, it cracks me up because we still reference Tyler Irvin a lot right. and he was hardly a blip on this team. Right. Like he, he kind of came in and weathered the punt return ship for a season and then had one playoff game where he was kind of the gadget guy. We still call it the Tyler Irvin role when he really hardly was on the team. And I think a lot of that is because they haven't really had anyone like that. And I mean, when I, when I mean like that, I mean a guy when he is on the field and he goes in motion, he has a gravitational pull. You have to account for him when he's in motion. And now yeah, when Irvin was hurt or sick or anything like that, they like just kind of stopped using that package altogether because they weren't going to use Aaron Jones in that role. They weren't right. going to use like, uh, well, and that's Williams part of it too is like with Aaron Jones, when he goes in motion, like he's, he has that, that pull, that gravitational pull that I talked about, but you're accounting for Aaron Jones regardless of where he's at every single play. Cause he's one of your best players. And so when you have a guy like Tyler Irvin doing that, you have to account for him, but then you still have Aaron Jones. You still have Devontae Adams, guys you have to account for. That's why it doesn't work as well. And now the fact is they have three guys like that on offense that, man, if Keyshawn Nixon is out there and he goes in motion, the defense is going to react. I think Jaden Reed will get to that point. And then obviously I think Christian Watson has shown in the past, if he's going to go in motion, you have to respect that he might take the ball. And if if you're not ready for it, he's going to, he's going to do what he did to the Bears. You know, he's going to power bomb the end zone at the end of that run. And that's going to help all those guys too. That's going to help Christian Watson when he's on the field, when uh, Keyshawn Nixon or Jaden Reed goes into motion and then he can, you know, create more space by himself. I mean, it all is intertwined and that is to an extent why I think this offense, at least the offensive skill position players, it's more, this is the most exciting group they've had since Matt LaFleur has been there. Maybe not the best, you know, it's hard to say the best when Devontae's not in that room. Like, I get that. But when you just talk about exciting uh, variations of players that they have at their disposal, I think this is the deepest and the most talented they've been since LeFleur has been here. So I'm excited to see what that is. All right. Uh, next, next guy, Rashawn Gary. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. 
Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I think he's going to be active week one. Uh, he was doing like conditioning drills, weighted vest drills, rehab, I mean, rehab stuff, but he's like doing outside linebacker drills where he's bending edges and, and like working on rushing the passer and stuff like that. Uh, LaFleur said before camp started that they hope to get him and Stokes back, you know, before, uh, before too long here in camp. And what that means, I don't know. My official prediction for when he comes off pup is after the Cincinnati preseason game and they'll bring him along slowly. Maybe he's even on a pitch count the first week, but I just feel like he's going to be back. And uh, this defense, they need him. Uh, And I'm not saying much when I say that, I guess, but like Preston Smith has looked pretty solid. Collins and Anagbray have had some nice moments. I was a little disappointed that Van Ness didn't pop today, but it was the first day in pads. So like, you know, it's not the end of the world that he didn't. It's just, that's probably the last time I'm going to see him in person before the games and stuff start. So I was hoping to see something there. But Gary, Gary's the best pass rusher. And again, that's not breaking news, but their productivity rates, their sack rates, all that stuff plummeted when he exited the lineup. So they didn't have, looking, uh, um, don't quote me on this, but I want to say I heard they did not have a third down sack. They had eight on the season and Gary had six of them. Yeah. Okay. That's and, and, so you, and you might be right like, that none of them happened. I want After to say he got injured. What I heard is they didn't have they did not have a third down get off the field sack post Rashawn Gary injury, which okay. is rough. Did him him and Stokes got hurt the same week? Am I right about that? Is yeah, that same game. Yep, same game, yeah. same field, all that stuff. on the same artificial turf. That yep. Yeah. Okay. Next guy. Oh, well, you already talking about so Van Ness just didn't really pop to you, other than just that he's a big monster looking human. Yeah, and on Saturday he did. He had that play that everybody's been talking about with him throwing Josiah DeGuara into a read option play. So he's had some moments. I think that he's one of those. He might even end up behind like an Agbure and and Justin Hollins and all those guys before, like at the start of the season. But I think by the end of the year you'll see him like he'll pass one guy and then he'll pass the next guy. He just needs he needs a counter. Like I was talking to some of the draft guys about this the other day because we had we had talked pre-draft because I don't know. One of those guys said that I didn't like Lucas Van Ness and I'm just like wrong. I, I like him a lot. Actually. I just was a big Jackson Smith and Jigba guy, but as far as three named people go, Van Ness was high, high up on my list. Right. And I remember, and I had to go back into the DMS and look because uh, I was, you know, in February talking about how, I think Lucas Van Ness is a better prospect than uh, than the Murphy kid out of Clemson, mm-hmm. and I was I was ruthlessly criticized for that in the DMs about how I'm like, man, I think they're I think they're similar tiered players, um, but I think Van Ness is going to ultimately be be a better pro. And one of the things was, and I don't disagree with this, and this is the point I'm trying to make is. 
Murphy probably right now has more in his repertoire as far as pass rush moves. Van Ness is very much a, I'm just going to overwhelm you with power and athleticism, which is similar to how Rashawn plays and even plays now. But it doesn't surprise me that the biggest play he's made so far is just throwing another human at the quarterback because that's kind of like what I think we're going to get out of him his rookie year um, because I don't think he's a super refined pass rusher yet. Um, but I still think he can be useful. And I think mm-hmm. once he once he kind of gets some of those counter moves down, once he really learns how to use his length and his hands, um, I think we've ta- heard some people talk about, like, man, he's got the potential to be a defensive player of the year type guy. Just because people like him, people like Rashawn Gary, those guys don't grow on trees. And that's why the Packers take them high. You know, and, and that's just kind of the way they conduct their business. So uh, it's interesting to see that. But – as far as the rookies go, I know I'm not giving you a specific name here, but what is your impression so far, or I guess in your two days of practice, what's your impression of this year's rookie rookie group? Yeah, so I said before the practice started, Musgrave and um, Van Ness both certainly looked the part. Um, the athleticism stuff from Musgrave, I think you can see pretty well. He had a nice, he's going to have some up and down moments as all of them are. Uh, Tucker Kraft made a nice play today. He mossed Anthony Johnson Jr. Um, on a one-on-one play. So that was nice to see. DeBose and Wicks haven't practiced, so I can't say much on that front. Colby Wooden destroyed Royce Newman in a one-on-one. Uh, and I think that they're, when they talk about him having juice, that is certainly there. I have no idea if that's going to show up at all against the run, but he is another guy that I feel like could be an interior pass rusher uh, for this team. And they've looked for those. They've been trying to kind of build that for a while. You know, Dean Lowry was one of their better interior rushers for the better part of the last five years. And that's Dean's a nice player, but that's not really what you want. So I think, you know, Wooden has more juice than that. Carl Brooks had a couple nice moments today. Uh, Carrington Valentine pick six, Danny Etling. I think it was you that said he's made a play a day since Mm -hmm. camp. And like, that's true. Uh, I definitely think he's going to make the roster as it stands right now. We'll see what happens in games against like not his own players and stuff like that. But I think he's definitely seems like a guy to make the roster. He's uh, I was talking to your colleague, uh, Bill about Bill Huber about this today. And uh, Bill mentioned, because I think I quote tweeted something Bill had said, and I was just like, you know, I don't, you know, they might have a hard time keeping him off the field if he right. just keeps getting better at this rate. And his his thing was kind of like, I forget exactly what Bill said, but he's something along the lines of, you know, his coaches at Kentucky basically said he was a seven-round draft pick because he's still got a ton of developing to do. But as far as, you know, the physical tools and stuff like that, he's got it. He's got it all. And it reminds me of Sam Shields. Um, Valentine is not as physically gifted as Sam Shields. Like he's not running a four two or anything like that. And maybe it's just the number thirty seven that that's making me draw that comparison. But in terms of guys that who weren't who were not supposed to be ready to play, but were like if you remember, like Shields was a huge piece of that Super Bowl team as their third mm-hmm. corner. Um, Valentine. Oh, the ability to move Charles Woodson into the slot because of Sam Shields's existence was massive like that made them so much better now i think this i which is crazy to say but i think this cornerback group that they have right now is deeper 
uh, than that Super Bowl team. So I don't know if the path to the field is as open as it was for Sam Shields as it is uh, as it would be right now, especially with Stokes coming back. But man, uh, let's say Stokes is doesn't come back, isn't isn't all the way back right away. I mean, Valentine's probably your third outside corner that who knows? Who knows when he's going to get on the field? So uh, that stuff's great to see. Um, the last guy, the last guy I, I want to ask you about is um, – I forgot who it was. I have, well, radio. you think of that because I have one for – one more for the rookies. I think the most – I think – I don't want to use the word disappointing because he was a seventh round pick, but just the way that he's been discussed since he was drafted is Anthony Johnson jr. He has basically been the team's seventh preferred safety. Like it's been Savage and Ford have pretty much started the whole time. Uh, Tavarius Moore is off of the NFI list. So he's back. Jonathan Owens, Ennis Gaines and down Levitt uh, is going to make the roster for special teams, but he's even been repping ahead of him in terms of the safety stuff. Like I know when they drafted him, it was, I think it was Ben Fennell who tweeted something along the lines of Anthony Johnson jr. Might start for the Packers. And then we started kind of doing the whole, did they find a seventh round jam? He was a first round pick and Chris Collinsworth pro football focus, blah, 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 just stuff like that. As it stands right now, I do not think that, and granted Gutekunst has certainly shown a preference for keeping his draft picks, but Johnson jr. And Lou Nichols, for sure, I think would would not make the team. Anders Carlson's been up and down. He didn't kick today. He was horrible on Saturday. Like he missed four out of five kicks or something like that. Um, that's, I mean, as far as standouts and stuff like that, those are those are the big ones. But Anthony Johnson Jr. is the one that I would say, temper your expectations a bit and don't be surprised if he, and we got a long way to go. It's August 1st, but like, don't be surprised if he doesn't make the roster. I think with Anthony Johnson Jr., I think it's important to note that he's played safety one year, right? Like he played corner at Iowa State for his first right. four years and then switched to safety his fifth year, um, his COVID year. So it would not surprise me at all because you mentioned you're like, he, he doesn't look fast. He looks like, you know, he looks slow. Um, and that could be the case, but I don't think he is. Like you watch him at Iowa State, he played fast. He's a four-four guy, and he runs fast. So I, I I do wonder if maybe we put the cart before the horse and just said, "Hey, this guy's going to start at safety," but then he gets in here and it's like he's pretty inexperienced at that position as a seventh-round draft pick to be able to come in and pick that up right away. So, um, but like you also said, there's a long way to go. You know, we've seen it before where guys come in and have a slow start to camp, and then for whatever reason something clicks and they just they go, they just boom, they're they're who we thought they were, um, and then sometimes. That just never happens. And uh, he was, and ultimately he was a seventh round draft pick, right? So not a ton of NFL teams probably were super high on him. You know, he, he probably got drafted about where NFL thought he should be drafted. So that's usually how it works. Um, so it's interesting. And uh, man, they sure could use him stepping up. They need somebody to, or any of them. I will say Rudy Ford has looked okay. Um, he had a nice play filling a run hole. They sent him on a safety blitz earlier in the day too. So like, there's some stuff um, that's there. You know, well, the thing I do that, wonder. I wonder as well, like if Stokes comes back and if uh, uh, Carrington Valentine shows that he can survive on the outside. Do they? We always talk about. It, do they make the move for Rasul to go to safety? I don't know. 
they seem Maybe. pretty adamant on not doing it, which no, I get. and he's never get, done it. So it's like, man, you're you're a pretty good outside corner. You don't just take those guys and throw them at safety. No, and I think the skill set's certainly there. And something else we've learned, and we know this pretty quickly, is uh, number one. Last year we were talking about the Packers having the best secondary in football. Eric Stokes has a bad year. Rasul Douglas takes a little while to kind of get going last year, and then. Stokes is injured and and it's just kind of hard to figure out who goes where with what and everything like that. But right now, I mean, the vibes, if you will, are immaculate in terms of the corners go, you know, Rasul's had a really good camp. Jair is Jair. I think Jair, there's one of my other predict Jair Alexander is going to be a first team all pro this season. I definitely think that is in the cards for him. He looks like Jair Alexander, which that's not, again, that's not saying anything real crazy but you guys know what i mean when i say that like there was some scuttle during the middle of the season last year or something like that that alexander was having like a down year quote unquote it's like then you look and it's like well not really like it's just life of an nfl corner he got beat a couple different times but for the most part like i think his completion percentage against was like just a shade above 50 yeah. and like every other it's been below that he is phenomenal and i think he is He's really grown, I think, into one of the leaders of the defense, too, which matters, um, especially now. He's a veteran, and he was talking today about um, – oh, gosh, who was it? Uh, Quay Walker kind of taking a liking to him and saying, like, you know, you want a veteran to kind of help guide you along. And when Jair got there, he had Tremont Williams to kind of lean on, and he wants to be that now for Quay, among others, and, and just some other stuff like that. So it's kind of cool to see that. I think Alexander's in line for a, a massive year. I would love that because you talk about – Guys that completely understand how to toe the line, talk your shit, do what you want to do, and not get in trouble. Like Jair is the king of that. He's the king of saying something, stirring the pot, and then being like, "What? What? I didn't, I didn't do anything." Like the the gritty dance that Justin Jefferson uh, had a crybaby fit about. Paul if, Allen is still wiping if, tears off. Of if, face. But if Jair does that facing him, like towards him, it probably is a penalty. But the fact of the matter is he did it going away from him. So they're like, what do you want? He's not directing it at you. He's just dancing. He made a play. You know, so uh, I think he's very smart when it comes to that stuff. Um, and I think we've talked about this. You could make the argument that he is their best player right now. Uh, you know, pound for pound. The best player on the Packers right now is Jair Alexander. Um, so they need them. They need them to have that all pro season. So that would be, uh, that'd be great. And, and like you said, I mean, you said it, everything I've heard coming out of camp is that he has just been, he's been locked in. And the last thing I want to ask you before we go, cause we're at, I'd say, let's do a quick pod and we're at 45 minutes. The vibe of this team. And I, this isn't like a knock. This isn't, this isn't a knock on Aaron Rodgers. And I know it might sound like one, but I think it's just a natural thing. But the vibe of this team really does kind of feel like the old guard is gone. This is our team now. And for better or worse, we're going to make it our team. And it just it feels like they're practicing looser. It feels like they're maybe having a little bit more fun. And maybe I'm maybe I'm manufacturing that in my own head. But Am I am I out of pocket for saying that when you watch practice? Is is the vibe a little bit different now that some of the older veterans are gone? The way I described it on Twitter, it was like mom and dad are gone for the weekend. We got the house to ourselves and we're having a party. Like that's that's kind of the vibe I, I get. Yeah, I definitely think that there is a 
situation where it's like they feel like the hunter more than the hunted. And granted, this is my observations from the stands. I'm not in the locker room. I don't have people. I have people like giving me quotes and helping me with stuff, but I don't have people like telling me stuff or anything crazy like that. Um, I think that I had this explained by me to somebody that uh, doesn't work, uh, never really worked in the organization, but worked around it for such a long time. Uh, and he was telling me once that, you know, when Favre left after they traded him, it was kind of like just this exhale, not a sigh of relief, like, thank God that dude's gone, but just like, a, okay, this massive weight of having a superstar kind of prima donna quarterback is now off our shoulders. And we really believe in this young guy and we're going to do everything we can to make this young guy succeed. And we've got a chip on our shoulder now that everyone thinks like Brett's gone. We can't win with Aaron. And they didn't, but like they could have. And with Jordan, the, I think the division's more wide open now than it was in, in 2008. Um, but I think that's a good way to put it that it feels like a little more breath of fresh air. Like every single thing is not weighing this team down and they may just play a little more, a little more loose now that Aaron Rodgers is gone. And listen, again, that's not a dig or anything like that. I, I certainly think that there's a contingency of fans and, and pundits, quite frankly, that I feel like we've gone too far on the other side of some of the Aaron Rodgers stuff and just being like, it's a good thing they don't have Aaron Rodgers anymore. And maybe that'll end up, end up true, you know, in the future or like, everything will be better now that Aaron Rodgers is gone. Like that's not true. It just isn't. And and even though Rodgers didn't play that well last year, there are things that he can still, you know, firm up and, and do things that Jordan Love just won't be able to yet. That comes with experience that, that Rodgers has. Um, that being said, I do think that it's a little, the weight of, you know, the world being on their shoulders since Matt LaFleur got here of, okay, you got all these free agents. You should win the Super Bowl. And they've done that since 2019 of when the Super Bowl or the season's a failure. And like this year, it's not really that. Um, don't get me wrong. I've said this a million times before. This team does not get a free pass. Like, again, I know I took it off the table earlier, but if they finish with four wins or something like that, that is an abject failure. And they should be looking at replacing a lot of people. Like that's the way it should work when you don't play well. But I don't think that's going to happen. Um, so to answer your question kind of full circle is I do feel like it's a little more, a little more loose. They're a younger team. I think that also kind of comes by, by trade that way, you know, they're with them being younger, the guys are just, they act different, you know, even like I am 10 years older than some of the guys that the Packers drafted this year, which is terrifying for me to feel that way, but it's true. They did. They are. And they do. So I'm excited. It definitely, and I think it's kind of the way the team kind of feels like maybe the way the fans do, which is. You know, last year, and I've said this a thousand times, that last year's team, you just felt like you knew the ceiling. I didn't think they were going to be good. I thought they would win 11 games just because Aaron Rodgers and Matt LaFleur existed, and that was better than any of the other chuds that were in the division, and that didn't work. That didn't happen. Uh, so this year is a little bit different from the standpoint of we don't know the ceiling. And last year you feel like it was, yeah, they could win 11 games, but they're not going to be good enough to beat you know, who we thought the best teams in the NFC were basically San Francisco. We thought the Rams were good, like stuff like that. Um, this year, we don't know that. And that's the part that's exciting is every game can tell us something good or bad. Uh, and, you know, if it's bad, then we're talking about some really interesting stuff in terms of like, you know, picking at the top of the draft, new coaches, new general managers, stuff like that. 
Uh, but if it's good, then I'll wrap with this. If Green Bay beats Chicago week one and Jordan Love balls, like, you know, 24 of 31, 350 and three touchdowns and a rushing touchdown or something like that, everybody's going to go in Chicago, Detroit, and Minnesota. Oh, they got another one. Like, how did they get another one? Because they're better at it. And if they lose, if they lose, it's going to be that guy sucks. How okay. did you trade Aaron Rodgers? To, to start Jordan Love, unless he just goes nuclear and they lose like 38-35 and Justin Fields is much better than he has been in his career. But that is a good question. Something I want to leave you guys with to ponder. We don't have to answer it today. But if Jordan Love is good, I, I asked this to my friends that were with me over the weekend. If Jordan Love is good, do teams then start to do things differently at the quarterback position? Because then it'll be, well, they took Aaron Rodgers when they had Brett Favre and he was awesome. And then they took Jordan Love when they had Aaron Rodgers and let him sit, and he was awesome. I just wonder, is that unique to Green Bay because they don't have an owner so they can do that? Because I can promise you, like, I do think it is. I think that's my answer, too. But I just wonder, will a team think ahead that way? You know, will a team that had, like, when Josh Allen gets old? Yeah, I'm thinking of, like, the Chiefs when Mahomes is That's 37. The like the, all the good, all the good quarterbacks yeah. in the NFL, except for Aaron Rodgers, are basically young guys. Or like Matthew Stafford, who we think that team sucks and might be in the market for picking. It's also it's a very unique situation too, though, because the Packers they didn't just have like Matthew Stafford is a great example. If you get a young guy behind Matthew Stafford, there's probably going to be times where people are like, play the young guy, you know, because it's Matthew Stafford. He's a good player, but you might want to see what you got in the young kid with Favre and Rogers. That just wasn't really, a, that wasn't going to happen. You know, it just wasn't, you were there. Like even last year, last year really was the first time it didn't happen with Favre because in Favre's last year, they went to an NFC championship game. Mm-hmm. So Rogers is really the only guy of the two, even that fans were clamoring to see what the young kid had. And, I just think, man, it's so nuanced. Um, that. that did happen with Favre when, like, the years prior to that title game when they were terrible. Like, there was, do you need to see what Aaron Rodgers has type. Like, the year they went 4-12 and 12 and Rodgers was the backup. There were questions like that. The next year they went 8-8 eight and eight and they weren't playing for anything in that last game. So it was, do you let Favre start and, like, preserve his yeah. streak but then bench him? And they didn't do that. Uh, and then the last year, obviously, yeah. Four they and, were they 4-12 and 12 Rodgers rookie year? That was yeah, the same then, Gato year, wasn't it? Yeah, because then they drafted uh, – because Mike Sherman got fired, all that good stuff. Um, and then um, so they drafted, AJ, be, they drafted you know, A.J. Hawk that year. A.J. Hawk was drafted before Rodgers. No, he was not. Are you sure? Yeah, I am certain. Yeah, because Ted Thompson's first ever draft pick as a general manager was Aaron Rodgers. Oh, yeah. Man. Because he went Rodgers, Collins, and then he had like subsequently – he cut Mike Wall. He cut Marco Rivera. He did all this stuff to kind of make sure, like, this team is going to suck. We're going to redo some stuff here in the first year or so. And then they went from four and twelve to the next year. They were well, they were four and eight at the end of the year. Yeah, I uh, they and they got strong. Yeah. They finished strong and then kind of rolled that into the next season. I was at the season opener Favre's last year. Uh, they played the Eagles. They Mason Crosby. Huh, Mason Crosby kicked the game winning field goal, and he's not around. Maybe he will be. But uh, I do you have anything Mason. else you want to go with? I'm just spitting out random thoughts now because we're almost at an hour. I just kind of want to get there. 
I hope Mason Crosby is the kicker of the team this year because I think that would be really cool if he had kicked for Favre, Rodgers, and Love. That's it. I hope that even if his leg is falling off, I hope I the hope, kid just figures it out. Honestly, but I hope that they are willing to bring back Crosby. Of like I've heard like that whole quote of Basaccia saying we're ready to weather the storm or whatever with him. Fine. But like, yeah, like, are we going to do the thing where, hey, he missed two field goals and an extra point. So that's seven points that he just cost you because we lost by five. Right. And the margin for error for this team could be as simple as that, too. It probably will be. Um, Okay, so people I'll I'll leave this nugget with the people that are still listening, because I don't know if I should share this or not on the airwaves. I love those. Morley's going to get in trouble. No, it's not. It's fine. Uh, so we mentioned earlier, so the two teams that were really in on Jordan Lover, so we thought were New Orleans and Indianapolis, right? So with Indianapolis, I had been told, and this is funny to me because I guess the reason Indianapolis allegedly actually was not in on Jordan Love, which I've heard mixed reviews on anyways, but the reason they were not in on Jordan Love is because uh, they didn't think he was a good leader. and they were worried that teammates wouldn't follow him. Like that I'll was... say this, like uh, just to go off of that. And again, two practices. I am not in the building. I am going off of what I see and everything like that. But this team, I think Jordan, I don't know if, well, I, I do. I think Jordan Love's going to be voted a captain. I, I do. And, and I think that, you know, his, his interview with Stacy Dales was very refreshing to hear just the, like he used that phrase, I am second. And it was for a religious reason. And if you're not religious, that's fine. But like, after listening to him saying like, God is first, I am second. And then he also said like, put others first. And then myself second, like hearing that after the last three years of Aaron Rodgers, basically saying like, I'm more important than the rest of you. I am first or whatever. So I do think. Rodgers has a wristband that says I am one. I also, I also think that that will, and like, obviously they followed Aaron Rodgers. Obviously Rodgers is a leader. He's like all that, like the leadership questions around Aaron Rodgers are mostly stupid, but the last couple of years, they really weren't number one. And number two, I do think that like the other players like receivers won't be just deathly terrified to make a mistake. So they'll play faster. Defensive players won't like, there's a lot of blame that gets shouldered. It's like being – we've made this comparison on the show before. It's like being teammates with LeBron or Giannis or name your stud basketball superstar player because when your team doesn't win, it's everyone else's fault most of the time. And that's what happened with Rodgers, especially locally. I just finished writing a story a couple of weeks ago about how the defense has been basically terrible since 2011. They shouldered a lot of the blame, and deservedly so for the most part. There were a few outliers in there, which I did toss in there if you guys were willing to – read through my novel on that. But I do think that I do think players are gravitating towards him. Now everything's hunky dory, sunshine and rainbows. Now they haven't lost a game yet. You know, I've said a million times what happens when he throw like that two minute drill, say they're down four against, I don't want to put this into the universe of them losing Chicago. So say they're down four against Atlanta and they've got the ball and a chance to go win the game. And that interception he threw to Quay Walker gets picked off by, whoever the Falcons inside linebacker is like, then it's okay. Do you pick the guy up or do you rally around the guy after he 
in effect cost you a game. And I promise you guys, there's going to be a game this year that Jordan Love throws like three picks and they lose. And you're like, man, he played like crap. And -hmm. like, they just lose that. That's going to happen. I don't know when I'm not going to give you a prediction as to when, but I do think that's going to happen this year. So, but the leadership stuff that you were talking about, I don't think that's a problem right now. And I do like, you've heard it too. And the players they've talked about, and I've said before, you know, just to give the, the clarification of, yes, it matters as to what they do in games, but Aaron Jones, Rashawn Gary, like, and for everybody to say like bears players said this stuff about Trubisky too, this is unprompted. And from players who have played a lot of football, Aaron Jones, Rashawn Gary, Drake Campbell, Jair, Rasul Douglas, like guys, players, professionals, like good professional football players that have said, yeah, we think he's good to like Rasul Douglas, like wouldn't say he was great. Cause he said he wants him to build his own like legacy or whatever, but then just kind of said in essence that he thinks he's great. So I'm excited to see that, but I, I don't think the the intangible stuff matters that much. And again, if you guys haven't read it, Tyler Dunn had a great story on love the year that he, or maybe the summer after, maybe when the summer of discontent started with Rogers, but it just kind of details, you know, Jordan Love's story following in the footsteps of Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers, not going to be a problem because this guy has faced much more and much worse real world things to where that stuff just isn't going to phase him. You know, maybe he won't pan out. Maybe he won't be good. I'm still, I'm not full in on saying this guy's going to win a league MVP and win the Packers a Super Bowl. But if he's not good, it's not going to be because he couldn't handle pressure. Yep. Well, and that's the point I was making with the Colts too, is it's, it's, and it's not just the Colts, like NFL, NFL teams just, I'll say this too. It's objectively funny that they didn't want to draft Jordan Love because they were afraid teams wouldn't or like players wouldn't gravitate towards him. And then they traded for Carson Wentz. Like, yeah, who that is, I mean, granted, yeah. I'm not in those locker rooms again, but just the stories that have like well, Chris Ballard basically took a dump on Wentz on the way out the door, oh, yeah. right? And yeah, the Eagles like, weren't exactly complimentary when they let him go. So yeah. that's just well, with, funny to me. That's with funny. Love, the whole point is that's the only thing he's proven so far is that guys will follow him. And and it, like you said, he they haven't lost a game yet, but his teammates freaking love him. <laughs> you know, like A.J. Dillon talked about, or it was Jones. I don't know. There's been so many positive things, but a lot of it is around the fact of how he's handled this the last three years. Um, guys, are, guys are, you know, he handled it the right way, so guys really want to go out there and play for him. They want to give back to him. Because that's a hard position to be in, to just be the backup quarterback, um, to kind of just, you know, we've debated, well, why doesn't Jordan Love take more of the reins? Why doesn't he do this and that? Because he's the backup quarterback to Aaron Rodgers, you know? And I think you're seeing it this year already where he's, and he even kind of admitted it in the Stacey Dales interview where she asked him what it's like. And he's just like, it's fun. It's I'm yeah, fine. of course it is. This is of my course it is. Now. Like nobody it. follows. A I'm a football player and I'm getting yeah. to play. Like no good team follows the backup quarterback, right? No. Either. Like that was the thing I remember when when Tim Tebow was available and like his group of followers wanted the Packers to sign him and be like, oh, they could bring him in for they need leadership. I'm like, nobody follow, like nobody looks to the backup quarterback to be a leader. Like no. that's just not how it works. So you want to see some, like maybe with his peers, other backup stuff, that whatever. I am way off base. We're out of time. We're at an hour. It's been a lot of fun. I enjoyed being at camp. Let me tell you guys, if you haven't had a chance to go, take some time and be able to go for a couple of days 
And this year, maybe not the best year to do it at this point because they're almost like out of practices that you can go to. Uh, I would advise having been to, I'm not going to be able to do it this year, which makes me sad, but the joint practices against the Patriots, those are a lot of fun. It's like, it's better than a preseason game, quite honestly, because the coaches like collaborate and say like, Hey, I want to see this. Can you do this? I want to see that. Can you do that? All that kind of stuff. So go to those if you can, but camp is a lot of fun. You can follow me. I'm on Twitter. I'm at Jacob Westorf. I write for Packer central, uh, which is for sports illustrated. That's been a lot of fun. I appreciate everybody who has uh, read the, read the stuff I've written, given me words of encouragement, all that kind of stuff. It's been a lot of fun. I'm, I'm having the time of my life. I certainly live uh, a charmed life when it comes to what I've been able to do with the Green Bay Packers. You can follow Morley if that is still him. I guess I talked to him for an hour. I believe it's him now, but he doesn't have a beard. Tell him to grow his beard back, please. You can follow mm-hmm. him at Jacob Morley. And uh, we will be, well, Morley will be back next week. I will be traveling back from New York City, so I will not be on the show next week. So Morley will have to uh, be babysat. But maybe next we'll week, guys. Guest. I don't know. Maybe. Next Probably week, not. though. Next week, Morley will be previewing a preseason game. The Packers play a preseason game next Friday, which is wild against Cincinnati Bengals. So that'll be a lot of fun. Looking forward to that. Thank you guys for listening. We'll see you next time. Headlines remind us daily, the world is a dangerous place. The elites in charge say everything's fine, stop noticing, but you know better. And your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos. My Patriot Supply has helped over three million families become more self-reliant and is the company Americans trust to prepare. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contain delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Secure at least one food kit for each family member. For a limited time, save $200, plus get free shipping on all their Ready Hour three-month emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. My Patriot Supply also has solar power generators, water filtration units, biomass stoves, heirloom seeds, and critical survival gear. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com.